Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Head Big Dreams podcast. We are covering the book of Job, and today we're going to continue in this series. We're going to be reading Job 8 and Job 9. Just a quick little recap about what the book of Job is about. Um, so, one day, the devil approaches God and he tells God, it's like, hey, you have this servant Job. He only praises you and glorifies you because you put a hedge around him. You know, he has everything. But I bet if you take everything away from him, he will curse you to your face. So God allows Satan to go afflict Job and Job pretty much just loses everything. You know, he was sitting on top of the world. He had many riches and he had many kids and he had a, a, a wonderful life. He was living the good life. Let's just say that. And he lost everything. His kids died. He lost all his wealth. His body, his health was afflicted. And he still, despite all this, never cursed God. And so Job has some friends that come and try to console him. And uh, they don't do a very good job. Though it may seem so, they, they, they really don't. And so if you go back and listen to the, the last couple episodes, you, you can see this. We're going to continue now with his next friend, Bildad the Shuhite, replying to Job's last reply. How long will you say such things? Your words are a blistering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will be your future. Ask the former generation and find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? Can papyrus grow tall where there is no marsh? Can reeds thrive without water? While still growing and uncut, they wither more quickly than grass. Such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. What they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web but it goes away. They cling to it, but it does not hold. They are like a well-watered plant in sunshine, spreading its shoots over the garden. It entwines its roots around a pile of rocks and looks for a place among the stones. But when it is torn from its spot, that place disowns it and says, I never saw you. Surely its life withers away, and from the soil other plants grow. Surely God has not rejected one who is blameless or strengthened the hands of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips will shout with joy. Your enemies will be clothed in shame and the tents of the wicked will be no more. Then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true, but how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wish to dispute with him, they could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound and his power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. 
He is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches me away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my words for no reason. He would not let me catch my breath, but would overwhelm me with misery. If it is the matter of strength, he is mighty. And if it is a matter of justice, who can challenge him? Even if I were innocent, my mouth will condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. Although I am blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. It is all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a scourge, when a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? My days are swifter than a runner. They fly by without a glimpse of joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile, I still dread all my sufferings. For I know you will not hold me innocent. Since I am already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? Even if I wash myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, you would purge me into a slime pit, so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might comfort, confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it is, but as it stands now, I cannot. And so the second friend kind of has a little bit of the same tone as the first friend did in regards to why God is punishing him. And though he's a little bit different in his approach, he doesn't directly confront Job with being a sinner. He doesn't confront Job saying that you're being punished because you have done something wrong against God. Instead, he takes their approach with saying, does God prefer justice? Does the Almighty prevent what is right? You know, is God an unfair God? He's saying, you know, he doesn't make people that are good people, that praise his name, that walk in the, the right paths. He strengthens their hands. He doesn't uphold the wicked. And in a sense, this is true. But you have to take a step back from it to see the whole picture. And this is why Job, in his reply, says, yes, I understand all of this. But 
even now, this still doesn't change my situation. You know, God is a very mysterious God, and we cannot fully understand all his doings, everything that he has planned for us, and as we will see at the end of the story, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. And so God does not uphold the wicked people in this world, and he does not support them in their doings, though they may fall into riches from their misgivings and all their mischievous things, and they may live a worldly life of riches that is not of God. And though the greatest people you've ever met and heard of that follow God to the utmost with all of their heart, they may find themselves in dire circumstances. And in many times in the book of the Bible, they do. And God delivers them. And sometimes God doesn't deliver them. And it's all We cannot say necessarily why until we step back, pull back, and look at the bigger picture of this whole story of humanity. And sometimes God uses these terrible circumstances and afflictions to maybe show his grace through a life well lived, to show others. So like when I think of Christians that have been martyred that died for their faith you know to them and their families and to all of the people involved I could only see especially in the in the immediate aftermath the pain and the the questioning and and the doubt in God but then when I hear about this 50 years later 100 years later from across the world wherever it may have happened I in my spirit find encouragement and strength in that you know because it's it's one heck of a thing to say that you know you are a Christian and that you are a follower of Christ and that you believe in God and it's a whole another thing to lay down your life for it you know if you're if you've been a believer for a while I'm sure most of us had and when you hear of martyrdom you've had the thought like well if If the government came and put a gun to my head and told me to renounce my faith, what would be my answer? And that's a rhetorical question. Uh, You don't have to answer that, but you need to answer that for yourself. And that kind of will tell you where you are in your faith, in your walk in Christ. And so moving forward, Job, he's still in pain. He's still suffering. He still acknowledges the almighty power of God. Like who can who can dispute with God? Nobody can dispute with God. He he's God, you know, though, if even if I was able to approach him, you know, my my flesh is is, is, is sinful. My mouth would would be detestable before him because I am just a man. And so the beautiful thing about this chapter, chapter nine in the book of Job, you know, at, at the at the very end. He says, oh, if only there were someone to stand between us, to mediate between God and I, then I could approach and speak to God without fear. And that, my friend, right there is a prophecy of what was to come in Jesus Christ. And there's so many times in the Bible, these prophecies of what is to come. The man of Jesus, God in flesh. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. But, you know, this is the, the book of Job. 
this all happened many, many years before Christ came. And so that wasn't an option for Job. And so even him, even if he did get a chance, you know, he just saw himself just crumbling before God. Like, there's no way, there's no way that I would ever be able to prove my innocence because I am just a mere mortal. Well, that is our episode for the day. I pray and hope that you guys are enjoying uh, our Bible study in the book of Job. We are getting close to the end and uh, I've enjoyed it. You know, doing these studies helps me learn and edify myself and doing so, I hope that some of that edification rubs off on you guys and I just pray that you have a beautiful, blessed day. Take care. Until next time. Hello, Big Heads Big Dreams family. I'm back with another podcast. We are walking through the book of Job together. And, uh, you know, it's been a while. You know, life gets busy. And I apologize for leaving you guys hanging. But we're going to continue here, starting with uh, Job chapter 14. And we have uh, quite a bit to go in in Job. We're about halfway through, so we'll probably just read until... uh, the Lord tells me to stop, but we're going to recap for those new here listening to the channel today. Uh, we are currently going through the book of Job. I'll just give you a quick summary. So one day Satan is roaming around and he encounters God and Satan challenges God. He says, hey, this man Job, he's a, the only reason he's such a good and upright man is because you put a hedge around him. You have blessed him. Look at all that he has. And God is like, ha, whatever, Satan, that's not true. So the devil's like, I bet if you take your hand away from him and destroy everything that he has, he will curse you. He will turn away from you. So God kind of entertains Satan's folly. He says, all right, go ahead, Satan. You can destroy Job. Only spare his life. And so Satan goes and decimates Job. All his children die. His livestock die. His buildings fall over. He's plagued with sickness and pain. And so he's in a very dark place. And Job opens up with Job reaching out, crying out to God, asking for death, wishing for death that does not come. And his friends come and they bear with him for a short time. And his friends try to console him, but in not in the right way. And as we'll see here, as we continue to read, you'll see how his friends have responded and it remains consistent throughout this whole book. So let us begin Job chapter 14. Mortals born of woman are of a few days and full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away. Like fleeting shadows, they do not endure. Do you fix your eye on them? Will you bring them before your judgment? Who can bring what is pure from what is impure? No. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So look away from him and let him alone till he has put in his time like a hired laborer. At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout up again. If its new shoots will not fail, its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. But a man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last and is no more. As water of a lake dries up, 
or riverbed becomes parched and dry. So he lies down and does not rise, for the heavens are no more. People will not awake or be roused from their sleep. If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you would set me a time and then remember me. If someone dies, will they live again? All the days of their hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. But as a mountain erodes and crumbles, as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy that person's hope. You overwhelm, you overpower them once and for all. They are gone. You change your continents and send them away. If their children are honored, they do not know it. If their offspring are brought low, they do not see it. They feel but the pain of their own bodies and mourn only for themselves. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied to Job, Would a wise person answer with empty notions or fill the belly with hot east wind? Would they argue with youthless words or speeches that have no value? But you even undermine piety and hinder devotion to God. Your sin prompts your mouth. You adopt the tongue of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, not mine. Your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man ever born? Were you brought forth before the hills? Do you listen in on God's counsel? Do you have a monopoly on wisdom? What do you know that we do not know? What insights do you have that we do not have? The gray-haired and the aged are on our side. Men even older than your father. Are God's consolations not enough for you? Words spoken gently to you? Why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash so that you vent your rage against God and pour out such words from your mouth? What are mortals that they could be pure? Or those born of woman that they could be righteous? If God places no trust in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in his eyes, how much less mortals who vile and corrupt, who drink up evil like water? Listen to me and I will explain to you. Let me tell you what I have seen, what the wise have declared, hiding nothing received from their ancestors, to whom alone the land was given when no foreigners moved among them. All his days the wicked man suffers torment. The ruthless man, through all the years stored up against him, terrifying sounds fill his ears. When all seems well, marauders attack him. He despairs of escaping the realm of darkness. He is marked for the sword. He wanders about for food like a vulture. He knows the day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish fill him with terror. Troubles overwhelm him like a king poised to attack. Because he shakes his fist at God and vaunts himself against the Almighty, defiantly charging against him with a thick, strong shield. Though his face is covered with fat and his waist bulges with flesh, he will inhabit he will inhabit ruined towns and houses where no one lives, houses crumbling to rumble. He will no longer be rich, and his wealth will be and will not endure, nor will his possessions spread over the land. He will not escape the darkness. A flame will wither his shoots, and the breath of God's mouth will carry him away. 
Let him not deceive himself by trusting what is worthless, for he will get nothing in return. For his time he will wither, and his branches will not flourish. He will be like a vine stripped of its unripe grapes, like an olive tree shredding its blossoms. For the company of the godless will be barren, and fire will consume the tents of those who love bribes. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their womb fashions deceit. And then Job replied, I've heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters, all of you. Will you bring, will you long, will your long-winded speeches ever end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? I also could speak like you. If you were in my place, I could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you. But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. Yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved, and if I refrain, it does not go away. Surely, God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up, and it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fastens on me his piercing eyes. People open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike me on the cheek in scorn and unite together against me. God has turned me over to the ungodly and thrown me to the clutches of the wicked. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. His archers surround me. Without pity, he pierces my kidneys and spills my gall on the ground. Again and again, he bursts upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Dark shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands have been free of violence and my prayer is pure. Earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a man who pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. Only a few, year, only a few years will pass before I take the path of no return. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? You close their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. If anyone denounces their friends for reward, their eyes of their children will fail. God has made me a byword to everyone. A man in whose face people spit. My eyes have grown dim with grief. My whole frame is but a shadow. The upright are appalled at this. The innocent are aroused against the ungodly. Nevertheless, their righteousness will hold to their ways, and those with clean hands will grow stronger. But come on, all of you, try again. I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed. My plans have, are shattered. Yet the desires of my heart turn night into day. In the face of the darkness, light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to the worm, you, my mother, or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? For it will go down to the gates of death, where we descend together into the dust. 
when Bildad the Shuhite replied, When will you end these endless speeches? Be sensible, then we can talk. Why are we regarded as cattle, considered stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself to pieces in your anger, is earth to be banded, abandoned for your sake, or must the rocks be moved from their places? The lamp of the wicked man is snuffed out, the flame of his fire stops burning, the light in his tent becomes dark, and the lamp before beside him goes out, the vigor of his step is weakened, his own schemes throw him down, his feet thrust him into the net, he wanders into its mesh, a trap seizes him by the heel, a snare holds him fast, a noose is hidden for him on the ground, a trap lies in his path, terror startle him on every side, and a dog his every step. Calamity is hungry for him. Disaster is ready for him when he falls. He eats away parts of his skin. Death's firstborn devours his limbs. He is torn from the security of his tent and marched off to the king of terrors. Fire resides in his tent. Burning sulfur is scattered over his dwelling. His roots dry up below and his branches wither above. The memory of him perishes from the earth. He has no name in the land. He is driven from the light into the realm of darkness and is banished from the world. He has no offspring or descendants among his people, no survivor where he once lived. People of the West are appalled at his fate. Those of the East are seized with terror. Surely such is the dwelling of an evil man. Such is the place of one who does not know God. And then Job replied, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly you attack me. If it is true, I have gone astray. My error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way, so I cannot pass. He has shrouded me in paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side until I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build up a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated me from my family. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants count me a foreigner. They look on me as a stranger. I summon my servant, but he does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends, have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that the words, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool, lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. If you say, how 
We will hound him since the root of his trouble lies in him. You should fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. I think we're going to stop there. As you can see, his friends continue to come at him with reasons why they think Job has lost everything. They're telling Job, you're a sinner. Why do you keep complaining? You know you see it. There's only The only reason that you're going through this is because you have sinned and that you do not know God. And they keep telling them examples about how they perceive that the wicked live in this life when any truly wise person knows that the wicked abound just like good people abound and have success in this fallen world. And so their response and to Job is nonsense, absolutely nonsense. And Job sees through that. And if you go back, we, we're slowly starting to see Job come around a little bit out of his depression. We can see Job showing hope that God will redeem him and build him back up again you know even in the face of his most horror in the face of his darkness and his most troubled time he's saying that my redeemer is in heaven and he's saying that he will see God in this flesh while he is still alive you know because Job knows that he has not sinned and that he has done nothing wrong and Job was just lamenting and crying out to the Lord of why why have you forsaken me and that is deep, you know, because we all go through troubled times and we all want to know why. And sometimes it may not be for us to know why, because the wisdom of God, how could a human mind even begin to perceive and understand the wisdom? And his friends even tell him, his friends are, are you, do you sit in on God's counsel? Obviously not. He does not. But the same could be said for them. Job's friends, do they sit in on God's counsel? No. And so for them to say that all these bad things are happening to Job and that he lost everything because he's a sinner is really spitting in, in Job's face. And Job sees that and he's hurt by it. And we're going to continue to go through this book. We're about halfway done. I know I probably said that like two episodes ago, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not a good judgment of time or in length. Uh, I go ahead and ask my wife, but I do these podcasts because they help me to internalize and to really dig deep, especially reading aloud. And if some of you are listening along, have never read the book of Job or just don't like reading, hopefully you can get something out of this too. And that we can grow together in this Bible study. Uh, thank you for listening until next time, my friends, God bless you. Thank you.